evidence and answers. We've all heard the phrase, why would God allow evil in this world? Or perhaps, why did God allow this horrible disaster to take place? Did God do it? What about the evil that we hear of and see on the news daily? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the arena of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. If you're unable to hear any of this broadcast, all of our messages are available on our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Now here's our host, Dr. Pat Zucran, with part two of Evil Unmasked. Yes, Dr. Ramesh Richard is a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. He's got a PhD from Dallas and a PhD from the University of New Delhi in India. So he has studied cross-culturally and he is also president of Reach International. You can look him up at reach.org. That's Reach with two R's. He's also an author. He's written several books. Uh, one, The Population of Heaven and Mending Your Soul and uh, The Intentional Life Trilogy is the newest trilogy that he has produced. And we're talking about God and evil once again. So, Dr. Richard, welcome to the show. We're glad and grateful to be here, uh, both Pat and Kevin. Seems like you have a tremendous platform to reach into uh, people's homes behind uh, those screen doors. Yes, we're talking about what evil reveals about man and God, that uh, evil distinguishes humans from animals, evil distinguishes human beings from machines. Uh, Dr. Richards is a philosopher, theologian, but really his gift is evangelism. And something we have in common is internet evangelism. The internet has become a great mission field, and Dr. Richard does a lot on the internet regarding evangelism. Tell us about it. Well, um I'm grateful to serve at Dallas Seminary. In addition to that, I serve as a leader of REACH International, which undergirds my global proclamation ministry. Uh, our priority audience is the 200 weaker or developing economies of the world. But our tertiary audience is, is global. God has given me the privilege each New Year's Day to use secular television primetime on the world's largest television network, out of Hong Kong, Pat and Kevin, which allows us a huge uh, range of audiences across uh, the world in the millions. Um, this is a network which is bigger than uh, CBS, ABC, ABC uh, NBC, and Fox combined. Mm. I do a pre-evangelistic casting of the net and then um, invite them to our website to read and register and answer questions. And we've had a, a tremendous response of, of thousands of people uh, this last year. We just do it. This is a one-time event. It's not a weekly. It's not a daily. About five or 6,000 people, 80% non-Protestant. You know, your church and mine, 99.9% uh, .9 are Protestant. Um, but uh, atheists, Hindus, Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, Jains from all across the world, from nearly 80 countries, I think 82 countries, have registered for a meaningful conversation that we have with them over a six-month, three-phase, 21-step follow-up process. And when I heard about uh, you guys doing internet evangelism, I thought uh, the audience may enjoy hearing about this global opportunity that uh, God has opened up for us. Awesome. Right, and That's give great. us the uh, address of your website. It's reach.org, R-R, two R's, E-A-C-H, dot O-R-G. And uh, God willing, this coming January 1st, 2005, we're going to do a talk on successful success. Is it possible to be a successful failure? We're trying to talk about successful success. I'm addressing the English-speaking internet active audience of the world. 
And uh, we're hoping again for a large, large sowing of the seed. Should God allow us, we're going to put subtitles in Arabic and Chinese and Hindi uh, so that uh, larger groups can be exposed to the good news. This last year, we approached Al Jazeera Television to see if we can get on them. Um, They pointed us in the direction of a a very uh, important entertainment channel. They're called the the Lebanese Broadcasting Corporation, which covers the Middle East. So we have Star doing the English side, and then hopefully the Lord provides to the Star uh, Lebanese Broadcasting Corporation Arabic side. Fantastic. And uh, Unmasking Evil was one of the broadcasts, evangelistic broadcasts that you did, isn't it? That is correct. And generated huge traffic. And I trust that'll do that again today uh, to even come to your websites and uh, dialogue with you. Right. We talked about what evil reveals about man, that we're different from animals, we're different from machines. How does evil distinguish human beings from demons and angels? Good. Uh, That's the third constituent of reality I'd like to uh, use uh, um, in distinguishing human beings from angels. Now, you're not an angel. Uh, You may think of yourself as an angel or your wife Mm -hmm. as an angel, but uh, you and I are not angels. Because angels don't have the the, uh, terrible situation of physical pain. I mean, they're sitting in their heavens drinking their cappuccino coffee, uh, but uh, they're unable to experience physical pain like you and I do. We are the ones who cry and die. Mm -hmm. We are the ones who moan and mourn. And and, uh, so they can't really understand the, the, the problem of physical pain. As a result... Uh, they uh, don't experience what I call the power of obligation. Mm. Uh, if animals don't have the power of reflection and machines don't have the power of decision, angels don't have the power of obligation. They don't sense a mustness, an oughtness to do something about the problem of evil. I've just come back from Khartoum in Sudan, uh, which is uh, probably the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Uh, about 2 million people have been killed in the last 20 years and about 70,000 in the last year alone. Um, we want to do something uh, for the human situation. Angels do not. They do not feel like they could uh, uh, help human beings except if God sends them to do that. They don't have an internal power of obligation. And I want to challenge your audience. If they see need to do something about it, get involved, you know, address uh, uh, your research towards finding the cure for AIDS or uh, pancreatic cancer, help the poor, be compassionate, because you're different from the angels. Evil accents humanness because humans know what it means to experience pain, and we can do something about it. I'm thinking of a scripture that says that angels long to look into these things as relates to salvation right. and the things. So there are things that they are just not privy to. That's correct, Kevin. Yeah. First Peter says that, First Peter 1, uh, they don't understand redemption because they don't understand sin. They can never appreciate the Lord Jesus enough uh, because they've never experienced the privilege of being redeemed or born again. Right. They, they worship him, rescued, but yes. they can't uh, love him like we can. That is know. correct. Yeah. Uh, so worship may be true for all uh, reality and relating to God, but uh, human beings can more than worship. We can, we can love. Perhaps that's why the first commandment is given to human beings. Mm. Oh, interesting. Well, how does evil distinguish human beings from God? Um, let me do the demons part as oh, well, right. um, because that's the flip side. Isn't not mm-hmm. everybody believes in uh, demons. Um, we have uh, demoniacs, 
uh, we have democracies, which uh, which some people think run by demons, but uh, <laughs> demons do not experience emotional pain. In fact, they cheer when evil happens. Uh, the other day in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina, as I was walking down, uh, a woman fell. Three other human beings went immediately to help this woman. Guess what, in my opinion, demons did. Demons cheered that this woman fell. Wow. Uh, demons uh, want you to deny the reality of evil. That's why we have entire systems of religion and philosophy which deny the reality of evil, including cults, Christian cults. Uh, because if you deny the reality of evil, you actually subscribe to a demonic view of reality. Demons, I think, also uh, want us to deny the universality of evil. Mm. Right after September 11, 2001, there was a whole bunch of conversions from what may be called postmodernist epistemologies and post-colonials, the Pomos and the Pocos, uh, because suddenly people realized there are some uh, meta-cultural, meta-narratives which apply universally across the board. You know, our postmodern friends, and I think that's an oxymoron and a redundancy, they would like to see uh, all truth and reality, as you know, as a singular, locally created, linguistically based realities. Suddenly, they look at evil and say, hey, this is not a locally created, linguistically based reality. If 100,000 people die in an earthquake uh, in Bangladesh, or 3,000 people die in a hurricane in, in Haiti, or 300 children die in Baslan, that's not simply a locally created, linguistically based reality. It's so across the board. So I think there's demons who want us to uh, deny the universality of evil. And mostly, I think de demons want us to deny the reality of God to use evil as a way of denying God. Now, it's philosophically extremely difficult because you assume God in order to deny evil, but that's what demons want us to do. Well, Fascinating. Yeah, that brings us to our next question then. How does evil distinguish human beings from God? Great. Um, I think that's where we are gunning toward today. Uh, if any one of us thinks we are God, we, we need to uh, seriously get... Um, uh, evaluated or at least admitted. <laughs> right. I saw an old Chevy Caprice classic, I think it was a 1974 one being driven in 1999, about 25 years old, which said in a bumper sticker, a sticker, I am the center. I am the center. Now that's okay for God to say I am the center, but for some human being to say that is uh, at best hallucinating, if yeah. not self-delusional. Some of you think of yourselves as goddesses, but you know, you're know you not God. You may have heard last year a fellow who wanted to change his name to I am who I am, and the judge disallowed it as a name that's already been taken. So he pleaded <laughs> with the judge and said, uh, maybe I am could be my first name and who I am can be my last name, and the judge allowed it. Wow. Now, we are not God because God is perfectly principled and good. None of us is perfectly principled and good. We can't even meet our imperfect principles, let alone meet perfect principles. Secondly, God is perfectly powerful and purposeful. Uh, we are perfectly powerless. I mean, one minute from now, we don't know what's going to happen. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. It really takes an all-good, all-knowing, all-loving, all, -good, all, -knowing, all -loving, all 
powerful God to actually have given us the privilege of freedom at all because an all-knowing God uh, would not be afraid of giving us freedom being used in the wrong way. An all-powerful God can actually use it for good. An all-moral God has to give good gifts to us. An all-loving God wants to give, give good gifts to us. So we are not God because we're not perfect. In fact, we have uh, tremendously departed from the perfections that God ex- expects from us, and therefore we need God himself to rescue us. So evil tells us because of personal evil or metaphysical evil or moral evil, sinfulness and wrongdoing, nobody taught you how to do wrong. I never taught my children to lie, but we exhibit evil all the time. And now back to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucaran. Well, we're... Coming down to our critical question here, Dr. Richard, what does evil tell us about who God is? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the first whole section had to do with evil unmasking who we are. We are human beings. But deeper than that, um, within our uh, framework, evil actually uh, reveals who God is. Because God has a huge credibility problem with us because he does not seem to experience pain even if he exists. If he could somehow experience pain like we do of intellectual and moral and and emotional and physical pain, perhaps the edges of the problem of evil could be removed. Perhaps we could see the outline of the first solutions uh, towards solving this mystery of evil. And that indeed is where I'd like to point you uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, as God experiences uh, human uh, reality in his incarnate status and uh, therefore takes off the edge of, of uh, our question. For example, Lord Jesus experienced uh, intellectual pain when he came across a blind man who was born blind from birth. His disciples asked, you know, why is this guy uh, blind? Is it because of his sin or his uh, parents' sin? And uh, Jesus experienced intellectual pressure there. And he says, well, it's neither. Uh, this one is going to result to the glory of God and touches him and heals him. Jesus experiences moral pain. Um, he is tempted, the Bible says, in every point of pressure and temptation. Uh, he had to learn obedience to the things he suffered. And uh, this moral pressure, he could have uh, 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 faced the worst in just becoming human But that was not enough. That was condescendingly shocking enough for Jesus simply to have become a human being. But he went on to experience uh, the pressure of uh, of temptation. Thirdly, uh, the Lord Jesus experienced um, uh, emotional pain uh, facing uh, the dead body of his beloved friend Lazarus. Uh, the Bible says that he uh, was angry and wept. He snorted. This is exactly what it says. Because he, he was angry at death. And he wept. He, he experienced emotional pain in both anger and, and weeping. And that too, to have a God who experiences emotional pain becomes extremely significant for everybody to consider. And finally, the Lord Jesus experienced physical pain, the most brutal, tortuous, torturous death uh, best known at that time for uh, the, the finest way of curing headaches um, uh, 200 years before Jesus uh, was born and finally perfected by the Romans in the, uh, in the situation of the crucifixion, as most of your audience actually saw in the Passion of the Christ, experienced, brutalized, uh, terrorized uh, uh, physical pain. 
And therefore, we got to take uh, any God who experiences pain very, very seriously as the first answer at the beginning of an outline to the, uh, to the question of pain. But the great thing is um, he not only experienced pain, he uh, raised himself from the dead to give us hope beyond the experience mm-hmm. of pain. You know, uh, I was putting together a little parable, and I tell audiences to imagine that the United Nations has set up a subcommittee on the problem of evil, and they get together for a global earth summit on the problem of evil. And uh, all the dignitaries are there, the presidents and the philosophers and the parliamentarians and the politicians and the beautiful African robes and Indian saris and, and pinstripe suits, all there to discuss a problem of evil. You know, they go on for about two or three days and subcommittees and sub-subcommittees. And as usual, the United Nations, they make a joint declaration for all of humanity to hear. Uh, they put together a declaration on the problem of evil. And the reality of evil, of course, uh, the chairman gets up and reads about the, the age difficulty in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, where there is no male population above the age of 13, for instance, in villages in Botswana. Can you imagine that? He talks about uh, the recent earthquakes and the hurricanes and uh, the terroristic activities of uh, uh, people who uh, are civilian being blown apart by terrorist bombs and suicide squads. And then in a strange twist to the declaration, this is still a parable, he begins to question the reality of God himself. He gives God a close fist, perhaps even a middle finger, and says, you know, if uh, uh, God wants to judge the human race, uh, we as a committee have come across the following criteria that he must meet in order to have the privilege of judging the human race. Uh, the waiter who was looking after his um, 99% sanitized, microbe-free bottled water, uh, you know, suddenly d- takes a, s- uh, a more serious look and gives him a serious hearing. Uh, but what the chairman is going to say about the God who has the privilege to judge? He says, uh, the chairman says, what does God know of being born in a third-class city? Uh, what does God know of being abandoned and brutalized? What does God know of being betrayed? Uh, and in fact, if God goes through all this, he better get himself out of this so he can give hope for the human race. Uh, the waiter who was uh, simply there to change this 99% microbe-free sanitized bottled water comes to the chairman and says, Sir, uh, there's actually a God who's met your criteria. Uh, immediately, the journalists and the media can't believe what this waiter did in impudence and, uh, and turn away into you know, commercials and, and uh, news items and the movies and sports and by the time the chairman recovers, uh, drinking his 99% microbe-free sanitized bottled water, he says, if God can meet those criteria, we need to take him seriously. That uh, there is a God who was born uh, in a third-class city. He knew what it means to be abandoned, to be betrayed by those who are closest to him, uh, the ones who were uh, his friends and his enemies. And he was uh, terrorized with a death that uh, was at the extremities of physical pain. It was not quick. But uh, he actually, after having undergone intellectual, moral, emotional, physical pain, uh, death itself, the final enemy, raises himself from the dead to present the outlines of an answer, but more importantly than a hope, than a hope for the entire human race. Uh, They started focusing on the waiter, 
who said there was a God who met those criteria. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I've studied religions, Pat and Kevin. Mm -hmm. uh, That's part of uh, how I'm made, the people I'm yet to reach. I want to change the way one billion individuals think and hear about the Lord Jesus. And one of the great uniqueness uh, documents about the Lord Jesus is the fact that he experienced evil being human, having come from God, and now gives us hope uh, in the problem of evil. Uh, To answer the questions, uh, evil is not defeated, but evil is not defeated yet. He will one day provide the final resolution, even as he has begun to provide the solution to the deep problem of evil. I don't know if any of your listeners uh, would uh, need this message, but if there's somebody mm-hmm. in my uh, range of voice and hearing, and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your only God and Savior, I'd like you to consider him and welcome him into your life, embrace him, because uh, he indeed uh, took care of the ultimate problem of evil personally and emotionally and spiritually and physically and, and the cause of it, uh, of human sin, and is willing to offer you eternal life when everything will be resolved and you'll be in an evil-free, pain-free, death-free, tear-free environment. Would you like to uh, pursue that journey with him? Uh, Write to us, and we'd love to visit with you. Thank you very much. Yes, uh, Dr. Richard, why don't you give us the uh, information how they can contact you through your website and your uh, phone number? Great. Our website is reach.org, R-R-E-A-C-H dot O-R-G, reach with two R's. We'd love to hear from you. We can engage in a meaningful conversation, especially if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Our phone number is 972-733-3402, Our primary emphasis is the 200 developing economies of the world. But if you need the Lord Jesus Christ, we are happy to be in your life. I look forward to hearing from you. Is there any other religion or philosophy that offers anything close to what God has given to us through his son, Jesus Christ? Any message that comes close to the kind of message of hope that Jesus Christ brings? I wish uh, we could find one. Uh, There is another religion, actually there are two systems of grace, which are non-Christian systems, but they do not have the cross. And without the cross, you don't have grace. Without the cross, you have God overlooking sin. You don't have grace. Mm. That's why the cross becomes so incredibly important in not only addressing the problem of evil, but giving you the entire framework and a foundation permeated by grace. The hope of eternal life is presented purely on a grace platform. Last weekend, I was an Ottawa, Canada. I was a Vietnamese guy, a PhD research. I said, man, if God gave me eternal life by walking, uh, crawling on my knees, climbing Mount Everest, I'd do it. I said, what if God were to simply give you eternal life? Would you take it? He thought for a moment. He said, you mean just give me eternal life? I said, yeah. What if just God just gave you eternal life? Would you take it? And he said, why not? And he received eternal life right that day. to the conclusion for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. If you find this broadcast to be of a great value to you, please consider partnering with us. 
Evidence and Answers relies on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate and keep us on the air, you may head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles, additional audio for you to listen to or download, as well as Pat's books. So be sure to share our website with your family, friends, and your church. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit their website at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide reasons for faith and hope in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Oh, 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 oh,